This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southall and this is... Mon And we are into our Encounter with God section where we spend some time reading and studying the Word of God together. Mon, before we do, give us another clue for our quiz. Who am I? I so desperately want to say this name. Don't. I'll slap you upside the head. Yeah, maybe I will just to see how that happens. (laughs) I wouldn't slap you. (laughs) I have a hard time slapping anyone. (laughs) Okay, who am I? Which Bible character is this? I painted my eyes and arranged my hair just prior to my being thrown out a window to my death. Interesting story. Drama, drama, drama. It's very Dave's so Our much, Lives, isn't it? So much drama. The Young and the Restless right there. In, in, in fact, I don't think Days of Our Lives has ever really topped this one. Yeah, yeah. Good point, if you, if you actually If you actually look at it? the story behind what happens here. Uh-huh. Um, this person's whole life is basically just drama, drama, it, drama. It, she, it, this person's life is a, is a drama-filled life that... Um, what they actually try to accomplish definitely tops anything you've ever heard mm-hmm. on a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. We 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 will hopefully talk about it because hopefully someone, someone will answer. get the answer. And because I'm just itching to talk about this yeah. story, there's so many lessons it's to so draw fun about this story. You like- and it's so bizarre. It is such a bizarre story. But at the same time, there are certain parts of the story that ring true to humanity today. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible testimony of what can happen to your life if you don't follow God. The lust mm-hmm. for power. Yeah. The soap opera-ness of your life, that your life will become without Jesus. Indeed. All right, let's go to our Bibles. Let's uh, jump into our 20 million movement. Before we do, Mon, just give us a quick reminder for all those who may be living somewhere where they are on the edge of our radio signal, or maybe they are in an area like you sometimes get in the Newcastle area where two transmitter signals overlap each other. Yep. How do you solve that problem? So if things are getting a bit scratchy, it is an easy solve. Just jump on your device and excuse me, download the TuneIn app. The TuneIn app is free. There is a paid version, but just X out of all the advertisement and you will get to the free version. Uh, it is a radio streaming app. Um, you can search for Faith FM Australia once you've downloaded it. And uh, you can listen to it with perfect crystal clear signal anywhere in the world, actually. That you but can the speakers Wi-Fi. on my phone aren't really good enough when I'm driving. Oh, that's fine. Just plug it in. Plug it in your aux cable. Play it out your, your, your speakers. Bluetooth it. Play it out your car speakers. Play it in your kitchen. Play it in your living room. Play it anywhere you go. Headset. Yeah, play it through your headset. Stick your headphones on. All yep. good. It's all good to go. Yeah. Great way to listen to radio, actually. By the way, Mon, how's your health glitch going? Um... It's dragging out a bit because I'm not taking time off to deal with it. So, yeah. You look healthier than you did yesterday. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm getting better every day. I'm definitely on the upswing. It's just a, been a very long upswing. Usually I'm like, poof, back the next day in perfect condition. But this time because I'm working until like almost. Maybe seven you should have night. taken a sickie. No, I don't want to take a sickie. <laughs> I can't afford no sickie. I got goals. Like. <laughs> I got and stuff how are, I want to how, how are you going with your goals? Yeah, good. I still want to try and climb Uluru before they shut it down in October. Mm-hmm. 
Um, You're so, gonna have to book that. I know, I know. I'm scared. I'm actually, I'm actually procrastinating because I'm scared. I'm gonna open my laptop, type in the flights. And they're gonna be exorbitant. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> and the longer I leave it, the worse it's getting. So That's right. I'm not, not doing myself any favors. But I guess I, I'm hating the potential of me f- opening it up and looking at the flights and realizing I actually just can't afford to do it. Um, I don't want to be here with that reality. <laughs> you drive. There's no way I'm going to drive. I drove. How long did it take you? Three days. I'm not going to spend six Three days, days there, three days back. Dude, a whole week. That would make the trip more expensive than if I just flew. It's a good drive. In terms of lost wage, that would be a very, 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 very expensive it trip. Would. It yeah. would. I'd rather just pay a bit extra and fly. Get in, get up, get down, get out. Yeah. There you go. Anyway. Very good. All right, where do we get up to um, in our Bible study? We are looking at the story of Paul this morning. And uh, Paul, of course, took up a mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Mm. And that created some friction. In fact, it created significant friction. The Jewish people had seen themselves as the chosen people of God. And when they became Christians, they saw Christian Jews as being the chosen people of God. For the Jewish Christians to wrap their head around the salvation of the Gentiles was a major, major um, change in the way that they paradigm used their brain, a, a paradigm shift of just it's enormous proportions that we we really underestimate. It's incredible that like an entire nation of people couldn't seem to understand that whilst you can still be a chosen one of God, doesn't make you elite. An elite shouldn't have to make you an elitist. You can be chosen and still serve other other nations. I think it's I think it's part of it comes. Down from the culture of the day. So the culture of the day was if you belonged to a particular nation, you served the gods of that nation. So if you were Egyptian, you followed Egyptian gods. If you were Greek, you followed Greek gods. If you were Roman, you followed Greek gods because they didn't have their own gods apart from uh, Janus and one or two others. Uh, if you were Nordic, you followed the Nordic gods. If you were Celtic, the Celtic gods, etc. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody believes that their religion is the best religion. That's the only thing that actually makes sense. Nobody's ever going to belong to a religion like, yeah, I just joined the second best religion. You know? yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's no pretty counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I find non-religious people get upset about it, like, oh, everybody thinks their religion is the best religion. Well, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be a part of that religion if they didn't yeah. think it was the best one. Yeah. And so when you've got that attitude combined with national religion and nationalism, you can understand somewhat this elitist attitude. You can imagine the Romans looked down on it a fair bit because, like, well, you're a conquered nation and we rule over you, so your god, you know, can't be much good compared to our gods. Um, and you know, that would create an increase of friction between the Gentiles and the Hellenistic world in which they lived. However, Christianity did become the first great world religion to cross all national boundaries and barriers, and it spread like wildfire, particularly under the preaching of Paul. And the disciples met together at the Jerusalem Council uh, to discuss you know, what it was that they were to... Uh, what, 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 what was it that was you know, Jewish culture and what was Christianity? Because the Jews continued with many things that were a part of their culture, that were their, their, their traditions, uh, they enjoyed doing it, it was part of their family, it was part of their spirituality, but it wasn't 
actually something that was specifically connected to the gospel as a non-negotiable. And so the Jerusalem Council was the first church council ever held, and it was really looking at what are the non-negotiables in Christianity. Paul gives a, uh, an account of this in Galatians chapter 2, and if we go to verse 10, it's interesting to note what it was, what part of, of uh, what came out of that council that was a requirement for the Gentile Christians. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2 and uh, let's read verse 9 and 10. In fact, James, Peter and John, who were known as the pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. Okay, so they decide, all right, this is what we're going to do. Paul, Barnabas, you guys, go preach to the Gentiles. Uh, you know, James, Peter, John, we're going to preach to the Jews. Let's, let's, let's divvy it up and let's give ourselves you know, different responsibilities, which makes sense. It's a very wise move. Uh, the gospel going to the Gentiles is going to go out in a very different culture. Uh, than what it's going to go to in the Jewish culture. Here in the book of Galatians, Mon, do you know what culture it's going to? The Galatians? Yes. No, not Galileans. Galatia. Galatia. Uh, What people group were the Galatians? What language may... Were they German? No, they weren't Gauls. They weren't Germans. Uh, Greek. Well, no, they weren't Greek. Hebrew. this This was a subculture. The Galatians were an interesting group because they were a subculture that existed within Turkey and within Germany. Oh, they were Turkish. No. And within Germany and within France and within England and pretty much everywhere in between. But they were a so culture within they were a culture within a culture. They maintained their own separation and their own language group uh, separate because Galatia is not a city. Um, unlike some of the other letters of Paul, it's a people group. Um, and, yeah. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So that's quite similar to the Jews then, because Jews were everywhere, and they are everywhere now, but they're not, they're a people group. They're not attached to one. It's very similar to the Jews before the State of Israel was formed. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Now they actually have a, uh, you know, you have the state of Israel plus the, the uh, diaspora. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's a clue, Mon. Mm. In the word, Galatians is a hint to the language they spoke. It's a language that is spoken by around about 1,100 people today. 1,100? Yeah, something like that. I'm not going to know this, am I? It's, it's, no, I'm not going to know. If it's not Okay, so I'll give Gaulish? you some more... You're sort of heading the right direction, but you're not quite there yet. Um, all right, so there's about um, 300 people, I think, that speak this language in Scotland, and the rest are in Wales. Oh, ga- Gaelic. Gaelic. Yes, Gaelic. they were Celtic people. But 
Let's make more people that and speak Gaelic. Gaelic, Galatians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, and maybe those stats have changed dramatically since then. I don't know. I tried um, to learn Gaelic once. It's a cool language. It's extremely difficult. And, and and if you speak Gaelic and can correct me on my on my numbers, but many years ago when I was looking into it, uh, there was research that said that very very few people mm. uh, spoke this language. It was basically a dead language, but they were trying to preserve it in the school system and so forth in Wales and Scotland and places like that. And I did note that when I was in Scotland, that a lot of the uh, road signs and of course all of the public transport yep. they make their public announcements in English and Gaelic yep, yep. which was really cool yeah and, and, and hats off to them for trying to do that yeah, to yeah. I, I think we need to have more of it you know particularly mm-hmm. here in Australia with um, you know so many of our indigenous languages get lost that kind of stuff yeah um, we need to make a, a big effort to Wouldn't keep that those be cool if we announced you know the indigenous language like on the train and stuff your next stop is Cardiff you know did it in some sort of whatever the local indigenous language. Because like two hundred Aboriginal languages throughout Australia, two hundred main ones. Yeah, and then you get your dialects. It'd be mm-hmm. like Papua New Guinea, where there's what six hundred different languages just like, on that one tiny little piece of real estate we call Papua New Guinea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one for every square foot. <laughs> Pretty much, you yeah. you get a different language from one village to the next. I actually have a map at home that that has a, a map of Australia and it's coloured in with the different regions where they have different languages of Aboriginal languages. I've always wanted one of those. It's re- it's really Even in Tasmania, there were three different languages. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh huh. That's yeah. amazing. We should write to the mayor and get them to do that on the trains. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Mm, Why not? Very cool. Yeah. Great for tourism too. Yeah, well, this is the thing. When I was a tourist in Scotland, I loved it. Yeah, you always appreciate when a country trying to preserve its its identity, its um, indigenous identity. I wonder whether we have enough left of those languages or whether they've died off so much that we couldn't actually even do that. You could definitely do it, you know, in places like um, you know, Ayers Rock because mm-hmm. Ayers Rock, Uluru, yep. um, the older Olgas, which is uh, something else, other else, you know, and so they've, they've got those dual names, but, you know, if they uh, – <clears throat> if they, you know, like you land in your plane, welcome to um, to uh, Yulara Airport or whatever it might mm-hmm, be called, mm-hmm. um, and then do it in the indigenous language as well. You could easily do that. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people out there who um, who speak language. So the Galatians are ancient Celts. Celts. Okay, cool. Yeah, All right. That's right. Writing to the Celts right here. Okay, so I got sidetracked on that. Uh, the important part is in verse tw- ten where they insisted that the Gentile church have a focus on charitable work uh, as well as the Jewish church. This was obviously something that was a, uh, a hallmark of what Christianity was. This was a major, major feature of Christianity, was helping out the poor and being charitable to, you know, to less well-off people. It was a part of their model of church growth and... When they passed over the baton, so to speak, to the Gentile church, this was one of the non-negotiables. Okay. Sure, you can take Christianity to the Gentiles, but it has to be true Christianity that looks after the poor. Mm. To a large extent, I think that Christianity lacks in this area in Western Christianity, what's become Western Christianity today. It's an area in which I think uh, capitalism has become a part of our culture to the point that we have lost our focus on helping the poor. And, you know, for so many years, the Cold War was focused on communism, and if communism was always focused on, you know, leveling the playing field, everybody gets the same amount of money, etc., 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 and that was the great enemy, which has left us with somewhat of a anti-poor attitude. 
But there are poor people in our world and we do need to find constructive and real ways of helping them. And we need to become a people, we need to become a society as Christians that have this as a part of our focus. I think it's a, it's got, it's quite a multi-tonal um, problem though because I think, a, I mean in Australia, I don't want to say there's a, a bunch of cynicism, but my generation is a bit more cynical towards the poor because... Um, you know, they they did research and, and you know, discovered a lot of people yeah. who are poor is, you know, drug related and then it's like There's no do, need. Do you help them and, and thereby become an enabler? Yep. And so it becomes like how and where do I help? That's right. Yeah. And that's where I think that help today needs to go through credible organizations rather than yeah. just uh individual, you know, tossing money out on the street. Mm-hmm. Um it's very, very difficult from an emotional perspective. And even even when, you know, you were in Africa and you were telling the story about the uh, the guy that couldn't walk mm-hmm. and you guys donated him a wheelchair and the next day he's still walking around on his hands because mm-hmm. the moment you donated him a wheelchair, you have removed from him um, his means of gaining an income. Yeah, You've yeah. destroyed his, his, his income source. And, and, you know, you can imagine that every charitable organization that comes through there is going to buy him a wheelchair because he's the one who stands out. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and he can do a, a great trade in, in, in selling wheelchairs, yep. mm-hmm. um, but he can't actually use that wheelchair. It's not useful to him because his income is based on the fact that, you know, he... His condition is very visual. His condition is very visual. And so while he's getting great support, everybody else is going poor, yep. which then leads to people who are poor and desperate maiming purposefully maiming their children so that they can actually have a source of income. Yeah, which is disgraceful. And you see this in countries with people, um, you know, adults plucking their children's eyes out so they can actually be blind beggars. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the thought went through my mind is like, okay, next time I go to a, you know, because my heart is always drawn to, when, when I go to a, a developing country and the beggars are there, my heart is always drawn to the ones who, who, look, who are the most obviously in need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas in actual fact, they are probably not the ones who are most in need. They are the ones who are the best income because they are obviously in need. Yeah, which just makes it so hard. To, yeah. yeah, it does, and that's where it comes back to. Okay, do it through a uh, a respectable organisation that is actually on the ground, has a, a good grip on what is taking place, and um, you know, and of course, here at Faith FM, we support Adra. Uh, but there are lots of other really good um, charitable organisations working on a worldwide scale to um, to bring relief to the poor. But this was one of the things that was a requirement. What is interesting is to study the history of what brought Christian persecution to an end. So this came about um, obviously politically. You know, when Constantine comes to power and... 10% of the empire is Christian. It's like this is a religion you're never going to stop. You're better off to join it. Yeah. But the driving force behind that and what really brought an end to the persecution in Rome was the plague. Oh, really? Yes. How so? The plague hit Rome and, of course, an incredibly infectious disease and the only really effective uh, tool that they had to fight the disease, because they had no medication for it of, in, in any way, shape or form, was um, you basically had to get out of Rome. Mm-hmm. And so when the plague really got a grip on the city, all of the medical personnel in Rome just left because they knew. They were the ones who knew. If you stay here, it's a death penalty. When the medical staff left, then, of course, it created a mass exodus. Everybody cottoned on. You know, this is a public health crisis. 
um, we need to quarantine it. And so, you know, Rome started to become depopulated, which of course left, you know, thousands and thousands of people on their, on their deathbeds with nobody to take care of them. And all of the Christians came in to Rome. Wow. So Rome became flooded with Christians, and the reason they went there was they were going to sacrifice their lives to care for the pagans who were dying of the plague. And the Christians died in thousands, but it had such an impact on the empire that the empire recognized, we can't fight this. Mm. People are willing to sacrifice yeah. their life for it. How are, you, how, are you going to, how are you going to fight a religion like that? You know, it's, it's, it's a religion that, how do, you, how do you raise public sentiment against that kind of religion? Mm. And that was one of the, you know, the primary factors that brought an end to persecution in the city of Rome many, many generations ago. This is Chelsea Moon with Take My Life.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Chelsea Moon with Take My Life and Let It Be. And uh, just slightly off the subject, but uh, latest stats uh, coming out here in Australia find that, uh, where did you just find? 4.3 million Australians tune into Christian Community Radio. Amen. That's fantastic. Such good And uh, that is increasing dramatically. It has gone up by 200,000 in the last 12 months. It tells you that people are wanting to listen to quality stuff. So congratulations to, to all of our listeners this morning for yeah. choosing to listen to Christian radio. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. They're not choosing to like the lurid, salacious stuff you can often find on mainstream. Oh, the, the totally inane garbage that, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, I don't even know, need to uh, uh, start. But it's, it, I think it's good news because people are looking for quality and quality people look for quality. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to all of our listeners this morning for choosing to listen to Christian Radio. And may your numbers increase. Get the word out there. Uh, Faith FM Radio, breakfast show right here. Um, and Give us a call if this you is, want this to. Is, this is an area that, as Christians, we need to be throwing more resources at. We need to be putting more emphasis on. Mm-hmm. We need to be throwing more money at it. Um, we need to be ahead of this game, not behind this game. Give us a call if you'd like a free bumper sticker to help get the word out. 1-800-FAITH-FM will send you a, a uh, FAITH-FM bumper sticker. Absolutely. In fact, we'll send you a few. You share it with one on every car in your family. Indeed we will. Anyway, let's uh, continue our show this morning. Mon, give us the next clue for the quiz. Oh, yes. Nobody's got this one yet. I want somebody to get it so I can start talking about the story. Okay, okay. Calm down, Lyle. <laughs> Who am I? Wicked King Ahab was my husband. Ooh. Wicked King Ahab. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM um, is, is the number to call. Um, first person to tell us the answer will win the prize. Who was this mm. witch? Do you know that she wasn't just a witch? She had a number of prof- professions. Oh, really? She had the profession of being a queen. Mm-hmm. Here comes some more clues. Yeah. She go. had the profession of being a witch. And this is unique. As I said, this will top anything you'll find on uh, on uh, Days of Our Lives. She had the profession of being a prostitute. What? Yes. Ew. Yes. Does that mean anyone could just sleep with the queen? The Bible doesn't say to what extent uh, she practiced prostitution, but the Bible does say that she practiced prostitution. So maybe it was used for political ends and political gains. Um, we know that she used it for political ends and politi- political gains of her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how far that stretched and how much Ahab was involved in uh, pimping his wife, who knows? That's gross. Yeah. Not a great marriage. Uh, no. Uh, template at all. Mm-mm. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's start reading in verse 7, please, Mon. So that's Second Corinthians chapter 8. Just uh, let's look at the story oh, of Corinthians. Paul. I'm going to Chronicles here. <laughs> Second Corinthians and chapter yeah, 8. Yeah, you were thinking of the wrong story. You're still stuck yeah, with Yeah, I, I was, totally was. <laughs> <laughs> totally was in my brain. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. Says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. Okay, so what is it? Keep, keep reading there for a moment, but uh, how does Paul link the gospel and generous giving together here in this passage? Uh, he's actually saying it's a, a gift, really. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Keep, 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 keep reading down through to, uh, let's, say, let's read down to through to verse 15. 
I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and now you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Okay, so Paul here is um, raising money, is raising uh, um, basically disaster relief um, things. Do you know what people group he's raising for? The poor? Yes, but there was a specific group of poor. It's um, widows, orphans, or refugees. It was actually farmers. Oh, really? It was farmers. There was a drought in Palestine. Wow. And he was raising for, um, you know, because whenever there's a drought, the economy crashes, and he was raising for support for the Christian church who were Jewish people Mm -hmm. in Palestine suffering under the drought. Wow. This is one of the major giving um, stories that you actually have in the Bible is one of the last things that Paul did. This was was, um, Paul's third missionary journey. He is on his way back to Jerusalem where he is actually going to deliver all that he has been able to gather for the Christians that were in Judea and Galilee and surrounding areas, uh, the Jewish Christians. It was the first time that there was actually a major gift made by the Gentile church to the Jewish church. And so it shows one of those interesting reversals that we often see in our world where, you know, for... You know, a couple of decades, the gospel was going out to the Gentiles, and the Jews were funding that, mm-hmm. and they were throwing all of their resources behind getting the gospel out to the Gentiles. And then a drought hit in Palestine, and suddenly the Gentiles stepped up to the plate, and they threw all their resources at supporting the Christians who had given so much to them. And this is why Paul says, you know, you're giving now to this group. In the future, they'll give back to you. I think it's interesting to note that these few verses that. We just read, I kind of like the antidote to communism right here. How do you say that? Because, you know, he says, I'm not commanding you to give. Ah, yes. And communism commands you to do it. And also says, you know, um, you know, uh, give when, you know, people are in need, not to the detriment of yourself. And, uh, and they'll do it in reverse. And so communism kind of forces you to give all the time. And the Bible says that God blesses a cheerful giver and communism is it's not cheerful giving, not at, cheerful all. giving at all. It's taking forcibly. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good observation, Mon. I'm so glad you made that observation. It does bring so much balance to what Paul is talking about and expressing in this passage. It, we, we see a similar situation in our world where you know Christianity started off as a Middle Eastern religion. Then it became a Western religion. It has actually ceased to be a Western religion and now is centered in South America and Africa. Uh, here in Australia, of course, 
you know, for a very, very long period of time, we threw huge amounts of resources into taking the gospel to the South Pacific. And now what we find is the South Pacific is coming back to Australia and ministering in Australia. We have a huge, uh, across all Christian religions, um, pastoral workforce of South Pacific Islanders who are ministering to Australians. And so it's interesting, you know, whenever you go down through history, you find these reverses taking place where you see one group giving one direction and then that group, they grow and they strengthen and then they give back again. So when Paul talks about, you know, uh, when you give, you're going to be blessed, they are going to be blessed, and you give so that in the future they can give back to you, we could show one instance after another, after another, after another, where that exact scenario has played out in a very, very real way within Christianity. We can see it happening even in Australia right now. Let's always be generous where we can and help those who are genuinely in need. This is uh, She Reads the Truth, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
this once-in-a-lifetime event as three of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413122348 now to book your seat. If what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called me the care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Well, I, I got so much I'm done to tell you, but you can't bear to hear me now. In a little while I must move on 
That was Josh Garrels with For You here on Faith FM. Uh, Mon, we have uh, still nobody's got our clue. People have been calling up about other things, but nobody's got. Uh, yeah, I'm out the of clue clues. For the quiz. Oh, you're, oh, you're out of clues. I'm out of clues. We have to do some homemade clues. Although you gave a bunch of clues. I in did. That last segment. I yeah, did. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I would have had a bunch more, but this uh, person tried particularly to persecuted Elijah. This person tried to seduce. The man who had just killed her son in front of her. Which is craziness. Oh, it's nuts. Can you imagine a mother... It is off the wall nuts. ...watches her son being murdered and then tries to seduce the murderer. Like, it's just such an unnatural reaction to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it tells you the depravity of this particular woman uh, that she had reached. So give us a call if you think you know who that is, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can read about her story in First and Second Kings, I think, in the Bible. Okay, Lyle. Yes. It is time for our question of the day. Uh, this one's come in uh, via text, and it goes like this. Lucifer fell into sin, followed by one-third of God's angels at a point in time before mankind. So why have none of God's sinless angels chosen to rebel against God since that time? And does the Bible indicate that these sinless angels still have a choice to sin and be cast out of heaven in the future? Okay, it's a really good question. There are a couple of questions here, and some of my answer to this I'm going to delve into speculation simply because the Bible does not give us the details. But I think we can understand it if we actually place ourselves in the shoes, so to speak, if angels wear shoes, of those angels. So the Bible says this. Let's go with what we do know. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and did not prevail, neither was their place found any more in heaven. 
And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So here's what we know. Satan came along in a perfect world, in a perfect universe, in a perfect environment, and within that perfect environment, he came up with a deception that was so deceiving that at least the third of the angels committed themselves to following him. The Bible doesn't say about how many, it doesn't talk about how many dabbled in it. The Bible doesn't say how many actually moved to his side and then came back to God. The Bible does not give us those details. The Bible simply says there was a third of them that actually committed to Satan and to following his cause. From this we know that Satan's deceptions were very, very powerful. You know, Satan didn't turn up amongst the angels and say, hey, you know what, we're going to start this new system and it's all going to be about pain and suffering and death and destruction because he would have got no followers if he had. He painted the most amazing picture so that he was actually able to deceive perfect beings. And so we find that uh, that this is this is what took place. Now, the question is asked, why hasn't there been some backwards and forwards between then and now, between you know bad angels coming back to God, good angels going back to Satan, etc.? Um, of course, we don't know the details of this. We don't have that behind-the-scenes picture of what has taken place since then. We do know that there's certainly been no backwards and forwards since the cross, because when Satan and his evil angels murdered the Son of God on the cross, you, you pretty much closed your probation. You, you, you've pretty much demonstrated that you've gone past the point of return. However, this is the way that I see what took place. If I had been an angel there at that time, and I had heard Satan's deception, and I had really, really wondered about it, but let's say I decided to stay with God because, you know, after all, there's a track record there, and Satan gets thrown out of heaven, and he comes down to this here on this earth, this earth accepts Satan, I would definitely, as an intelligent being, say, you know what? Let's just stop and observe. Let's not be flipping backwards and forwards. We've got two scenarios here. We now have the opportunity of seeing how these scenarios play out. And it would have been a very, very short space of time before I chose, you know what, I've picked the winning side here. I'm going to stay on this side because down there I'm seeing death, I'm seeing destruction, I'm seeing murder. You know, murder comes just very, very shortly after the Garden of Eden experience. And so that would explain to me why there has not been a backwards and forwards. It would, a smart person would say, let's observe and let's see how all of these things work. We might talk more about this tomorrow because there's more of that question yet to cover and it's a really important one. Tempted and tried We're oft made to wonder Why it should be thus All the day long While there are
That was Dolly Parton with Linda Ronstadt and Emmylou Harris right here on Faith FM. As we come to the end of our show, we've been talking about War in Heaven. Mon, what have you got for us? To Talk about perfect book for this. You do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's basically called The War in Heaven. It is. We, truth- we, just, we just read that for our question of the day. Like literally. Uh, the Truth Behind Satan's Rebellion. It's written by the great Ivor Myers, um, one of the most incredible speakers of our generation and also a writer. Uh, this book is all about exactly what Lyle was discussing uh, in the question of the day. Uh, you can get a free copy. We have one copy of it here. Uh, Slightly if, damaged. Yeah, well, I might just fix that. We just, I was flicking through it and found a crumpled up page, Okay. Um, which I think might be a print error, but I'll fix that up. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We <laughs> might have, have to get you. That, Lyle. We might need to get you a different copy. Yeah. We will get you a new copy. This yeah. one is um, a little bit more damaged than what we've... a printing glitch, clearly. Yeah. One of the pages got printed together. Um, <laughs> but give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. 1-800-324-843. Grab a copy of The War in Heaven, The Truth Behind Satan's Rebellion. And this does indeed um, discuss at length what Lyle briefly touched on there. Um, talks about the war, uh, the, the the controversy between um, Jesus and Satan, uh, Lucifer back then, and uh, and it just basically the aftermath of that. Give us a call, first person through one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Get yourself a copy of this. Of course, we enjoy you guys' company every morning. We enjoy being able to come here on the radio and to be able to speak and to share with you and to be a blessing to the community by sharing positively different radio. 
If you like Faith FM Radio and you would like a bumper sticker to go in your car so that more people can learn about it, then give us a call and we will send you a bumper sticker. We had some people call already. Yep, been calling in for those, so that's great to get the news out there. Please share our our station with as many people as you can. It's nice to see 4.3 million Australians now tuning into Christian Radio on a daily basis. That's super exciting stat to hear. And, of course, we look forward to your company again at the same time between 7 and 9 tomorrow. Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world This world
This world is not mine 